Welcome to Real Talk JavaScript, the weekly talk show with advice and insight into the technologies and practices currently being used to build web applications in the real world. Each week, John Papa and Ward Bell talk to industry experts about their experiences writing, deploying, and maintaining web applications in HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And now, here are your hosts, John and Ward. Welcome to episode number four of Real Talk JavaScript. Today's topic is PWAs, Progressive Web Apps. And my co-hosts today are the intrepidable Ward Bell. Hello, everybody. And Dan Wallin. Hi there. And our guest today is Maxime Salnikov. He's an Oslo-based web full-stack engineer at ForgeRock, a Google developer expert in web technologies, and a Microsoft MVP in development tech. He architects complex web applications since the end of the last century, and his favorite part of the modern web is a progressive web apps concept. Maxim is a founder and active contributor to two conferences, Mobile Era and NG Vikings. He travels extensively to share his web platform experience and knowledge with the community. Welcome, Maxim. Hello, hello. I'm glad to be here. Oh, we're so glad to have you. We are definitely glad to have you, Max. Yes. <laughs> hey, and Max, we like to kick off our show with something from the community. We put out on Twitter to the Real Talk subscribers a question about what they might have for you about PWAs. And we got a question here from Pandion Murrigan. That's at Pandian underscore cool on Twitter. And he asked three questions. So I'll read these off to you and you can answer them any way you like. Question one, do all browsers support PWAs or are we only developing for Chrome? Question two is, do service workers create any performance impact on our website? And three is, can we add a home screen on all mobile devices for PWAs? Oh, that's uh, very good questions. And uh, let's start just one by one. So first question was about uh, PWA support, right? In all the browsers or only in Chrome? First, it's uh, definitely not connected to Chrome only. It's uh, not something that exclusively works in some specific browser. No. I would love to say, yes, it's supported by all browsers, but I can say that it's almost there. What do I mean? Service Worker, which is main API behind the Progressive Web Apps concept, and it's actually heart of PWA or maybe brains of PWA, is quite extensive and it contains subparts, parts of subparts and so on. So it's quite the large API. And unfortunately, not all these parts are supported in all the browsers, obviously. But really cool is that at least basics, at least offline support is supported everywhere now. In uh, By everywhere, I mean uh, all major evergreen browsers, something like this. If you wish to go deeper and uh, check uh, specifically which parts of uh, Service Worker API or any um, satellite API supported here or there, I would recommend you to check a really nice project by Thomas Steiner called PWA Feature Detector. You can easily find this and I believe I can share all the links as a transcript, right? Absolutely. You can type right into the tool here for our show notes, if you like, and I'll include it for all the listeners. Yeah, that, that's cool. I will definitely share lots of links today, lots of useful links. Awesome. Thanks for answering the questions here, Max, and thanks for sending in your questions on our mailbag. And if you'd like to follow us, please follow us on Twitter at RealTalkJS. 
So to kick things off, Max, we've talked for a while now, a couple of years about PWAs, me and you and Warden Dan at different conferences. And I'm curious, how have they changed over the last couple of years for you? There are many, many, many changes. Actually, um, we have something really amazing and really exciting about uh, PWA and, and about service workers literally each week. First, we are lucky uh, to have all major browsers supporting at least uh, basics of PWAs, as I mentioned by answering this um, question from Mailbag. Both major mobile platforms are supporting, again, uh, at least partially. So we can uh, name these platforms, right? So we have today Android and uh, iOS as major too. And on Android, it's like golden standard in terms of support. iOS uh, is a bit behind, uh, but uh, maybe we'll go into details a bit, a bit later. And many, many projects, many real projects, uh, which is, I believe, really important for today's podcast, right? They um, put uh, efforts to create PWAs. And I believe today we'll uh, name a few really interesting web services, web projects that created great progressive ABAPS versions. We should set back for a moment for all of our listeners who maybe don't know exactly what a PWA is, or even for those who do, what do you consider to be a PWA and what's the value? Well, in uh, super simple words, in very, very big picture, PWA is something that makes our web experience better. And by us, I mean uh, literally every party involved. So, of course, first it's users, we ourselves, uh, our clients, customers, next uh, we as developers, and of course, uh, stakeholders. So, Progressive Apps idea brings something good and very attractive to each party here. This is not a framework, this is not a library, uh, it's even hard to call this a methodology. I'd say this is um, idea or or concept. I believe uh, these definitions uh, are good. So what do we do to name our web application a progressive application? We use the latest and greatest APIs exposed by modern browsers. Why? To deliver the best or better user experience. All right, I'm going to stop you, Max. I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah. Because we've talked concepts, we've talked better and best and stuff like that. Yeah. And I don't doubt that those are true, but it feels sort of marketing-ish to me. So let's talk about like what problem does it solve? You know, what am I missing if I don't put PWA? What problem do I have as either a customer or as a developer that PAWA can solve? And I'm going to pause a quick sec to make sure in case we haven't said it, PWA stand for progressive web apps, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. Cool. Which is a marketing term. I mean, you know, it all sounds great. Yep. Uh, the only thing that substance in there is it web apps. So I guess it has something to do with web apps, but progressive, you know, is what? A reactionary web app? I mean, what is it? Why do I need it? Why would I care? Why would I run right out and learn it? <laughs> and, and let me add real quick, Max, to what Ward said. It's totally on the same vein. If I'm an enterprise, what are some of the benefits it would bring me there too, you know, for enterprise situations? Benefits of uh, progressive apps. I believe the most important one is that we disconnect our web app from idea that it has to be connected to internet constantly, right? And this fact makes 
something that we can call an application uh, compared to regular website that we open in our browser. So we all know how native apps work on mobile devices, for example, right? And this is something that uh, works uh, always. Uh, it doesn't depend on are we connected to the internet or not? Are we on uh, fast connection or very unstable uh, cellular connection, right? We just click this uh, button on our home screen and we are there. And I'm sorry, so you're saying if we have really poor Wi-Fi or if we have no Wi-Fi, and those are two different situations, right? Because you could have no access and if the PWA has already been loaded once, you can still use it. But if you've got low Wi-Fi, it also still works well, doesn't it? Yes, exactly. And um, I, I, I totally agree with this. Um, notice uh, sometimes uh, the cases when um, the internet is kind of here, and uh, we can call this Li-Fi, is even harder to deal with, right? Because when we don't have a clear um, vision, are we connected or or not? So our apps think that it's connected, but in reality, not. And progressive apps address both problems, total offline and slow connections. And they do it without my looking? Like if I'm hooked up, like as a developer, if I write my app and I've got PWA under the scenes, mm -hmm. then do I, uh, as the author, does my app even know that it's handling this or do we write it in such a way that, uh, you know, it just magically solves the problem underneath? There are some options available. Uh, first, yes, in your um, JavaScript, you can uh, listen to some events to understand are you offline or online, but you can... Uh, rely on them to some extent, I, I, I'd say. Uh, what's um, more interesting is that you can provide all possible fallbacks. So uh, let's uh, jump into some, some technical details, may maybe to better understand this. So we go back to Service Worker API, which is uh, main API behind uh, all this uh, offline magic. Uh, what you can do there, you you have super flexible logic inside this uh, piece of uh, JavaScript code. You can always try to get your data from uh, some kind of cache. And this is different cache, not uh, the one we, we had in pre-PWA era, not HTTP cache, but the special uh, storage in uh, modern browsers called just cache. This could be uh, some confusion here. Uh, so we can, uh, for example, always try if this resource, like our index.html, is there, we can try to serve it from there. If not, we can try to ping network. If the network is available, then we serve this uh, asset from network. At the same time, we are free to implement the logic to put this HTML back to this cache for later usage. Or we can try to go to network first and um, we can, uh, for example, set some kind of timeout. And uh, if network is not available and in that sense, we do not rely on this uh, online offline events uh, from browser side, we really check the network itself, right? So we are protected against uh, Li-Fi here. So if uh, we couldn't get something, for example, during two seconds, we try to get it from cache. And you said a new term there. You said Li-Fi. Yeah. What's that stand for? This is like not official term, but it's widely used on internet. So this is about 
connection where you think that you're connected. So you see this, you know, Wi-Fi icon is here and it kind of there. But in reality, there is no internet in this network. There could be lots of different reasons. Uh, That's kind of like when I'm sitting in my house and I've got five bars on my Wi-Fi, but it's not actually coming across somehow. <laughs> exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Too. Netflix isn't working. Yeah. And then I'm, everybody's upset. Yes. It's a little confusing also because there is something called Li-Fi, which is, uh, I think it stands for light fidelity, but uh, in normal, but there's also something where they're using light rays for Wi-Fi. So it's totally confusing. But yeah, it means in your case, I think you mean a poor connection. I thought you were going to say last in, first out, Ward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say it's a poor connection that uh, pretends to be a good connection. Right. Yeah. And this is uh, quite challenging to catch this. And if I could kind of repeat back to you a little bit what I think I heard you say and tell me if I'm right or wrong. As Ward was asking about, you know, as a developer, is there anything we have to do to, to take advantage of PWAs? And as you were answering it, you were explaining lots of different things we can do, such as check for low Wi-Fi or poor Wi-Fi, check for on the network or not, do timeouts because maybe you don't want to wait more than two seconds to get your data. All these different things that we can do you're saying, I believe, that the APIs are now exposed in the browser, so we have full control over this? Yes, exactly. Okay. We can create this service worker, which is uh, architecturally a network proxy. So it's something that sits between our actual web application, between our JavaScript, we uh, have as a main part of our app, and network. And we are totally free to implement any kind of logic. But this logic could be quite uh, sophisticated and there are lots of edge cases. And after all, if you go to implement your own service worker from scratch, you dive quite deep into how HTTP protocol works. I've been there in old applications and it's not fun. No. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you're saying if I use raw service worker protocol, I'm in for a world of pain, right? This could be very uh, interesting story and uh, you'll get lots of uh, knowledge. But uh, the question is, is that your real task? <laughs> exactly. It, it, it isn't. I'm going to say I get <laughs> lots of stories. <laughs> I get better things to do in my life. Oh my yeah. God. Yes. I, what I don't need is another framework in my life that I have to spend a year to studying. So there's some way to make it easier for me, right, Max? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, I, I, in addition to HTTP um, uh, protocol details, uh, most likely you have to write your own cache invalidation algorithm, which is extra fun. Yeah, no, no, we're not really going to do that. Yeah. Let, let's <laughs> talk about that the rest of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, we are covered here uh, by some really nice uh, libraries, uh, really nice helpers for us. And uh, I believe uh, here we jump into real talk, right? Real talk about uh, real projects. Um, uh, what's this podcast about, right? Yeah, what's your favorite helper then? Because I'm with Ward. I don't want to get into the low-level details. I want the solution. In other words, I want something for the problem, but I don't want to spend my life doing it. I just can't. So, if you could name one that you think that will carry me and is reasonable for me as an application developer to meet the general need, I'm all ears. Great point there, Ward. But before we progress to that answer, hold that thought while we take a moment for an important message. Do you like tech conferences? 
I like tech conferences. In fact, John Papa, Dan Walline, and yours truly, Ward Bell, will be talking and giving workshops at Dev Intersection December 3rd through 6th at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. I love that conference. There are so many great speakers there and great people like you attending. Of course, there's great content in the sessions, but being there is really key. I learned so much in the face-to-face hallway conversations. I get to talk to the experts themselves. I, I get these valuable insights that I can't get by reading a blog post or watching a training video. And I make terrific contacts from all over the world, people who can help me tomorrow and later in my career. There are still tickets. Check it out on the web. Dev Intersection, Las Vegas, this December 3rd through 6th. And we're back, and you're listening to Real Talk JavaScript. Our guest today is Maxime, and we're discussing PWAs. Max, you were just about to answer a great question from Ward about how we should tackle this. Want to go into that? Yes, with great pleasure. I can call the name of, I believe, the best uh, PWA utility at the moment, and it's called Workbox. It's developed by folks from Google, and uh, actually this is a um, uh, library based on um, the previous efforts to automate some uh, uh, progressive web app uh, tasks called SW Precache. So we can, um, if you heard something about um, SW Precache, then Workbox is uh, re-architected, re-synced, uh, deeply refactored version of SW Precache. I believe it's version 3.6 now, and that's quite stable, that's production ready. But what's important for us is it's super friendly for developers. And uh, literally, you can um, create a progressive web app from your web app in some minutes. So one of the places I love to look at for PWAs and getting into it is there's actually, and I put the link in the show notes, progressive web apps explanation on the Google site. And they talk about, you know, it's reliable, it's fast, it's engaging, kind of the marketing terms that, that Ward mentioned earlier. But I'm a little curious about, we've only talked about service workers and how they work with a network. Isn't there more to it than just networking, Max? Yes. Service workers is only part of PWA concept, right? So maybe it's uh, the major part, but, but still it doesn't cover the full idea. Before we dive into service worker possibilities beyond the network, let me call another part of PWA concept, which is also very important. And quite simple at the same time. It's called Web App Manifest. And by this name, we mean a simple JSON file with some meta information about our app. And it's exactly this file that kind of converts the set of our HTML, JavaScript, CSS files, some, some images into an application. So, it's a web app manifest says to the browser or to operating system that, hey, browser or hey, OS, take this set of files and consider this as an app. Here is the name of this app. Uh, here is a set of icons for, for different cases. Here is the way we want to run this in full screen or with uh, browser Chrome around. Here is a couple of brand colors for you to use if you have a chance to, for example, put some extra style on uh, 
top bar of your parts as operating system and so on. So this is also really, really um, important part of PWA. And back to service worker, since it works as this proxy between our app and um, say all the rest of the world, it could be, I don't know, third party uh, resources on the network, it could be our own API, we can do lots of interesting, and I'd say magic things there. Just one use case, which is inspiring me the most, you can implement support of some formats, which are not supported in this particular browser. Uh, for example, this could be uh, WebP, this new image format, which is supported in uh, Chrome only, I believe, at the moment. And we can add this support, for example, to Firefox. How to do this? Just imagine that in our service worker, we intercept request to logo.webp. And from service worker, uh, we request another image, which could be, um, I don't know, PNG. Just imagine that we have in our HTML reference to logo.webp. So what do we do? We intercept this request in our service worker. We get this image from our hosting. But before giving back to the browser in form of response, we convert this to something that this particular browser can understand. And it could be PNG or BMP or whatever. So after all, browser asks for one format and <laughs> it receives different one. And uh, yeah, we, we can give different uh, formats to, to different browsers, right? So you basically, you can override, you're saying, pretty much anything you want? Yes, absolutely. So uh, again, we can implement um, the logic we want regarding every HTTP request from our application side. And by every, I literally mean every. It could be, uh, for example, XHR requests going from um, our JavaScript code uh, when we trigger some API endpoints. And it could be requests uh, from our HTML markup. So service worker is uh, intercepting 100% of all the requests to, for example, images we have on the page and all navigation requests. So we can uh, get full control on everything. So it's really great power, but uh, as always, it's great responsibility, right? Maybe this is a good time point to emphasize the security part here. So Max, before you go into sort of the features thing, one of the things we try and do in the show is talk about our own experiences. I mean, it's great. I love hearing about the features and stuff. Yeah. But what would be really terrific uh, for us would be to hear you just tell a story about something you did. doesn't have to cover all the features of PWA, but something where you did something and you used some kind of PWA feature and solved a problem and you feel good about it and you think other people could follow your lead. Or it didn't work. and <laughs> Or, yeah, or it was just a nightmare and you'd never do it again. Either of those, and maybe the perverse among us would rather hear the second story, <laughs> but I'm feeling optimistic today. So, I want to hear a crisp story, a success story. Yeah, it's a really good uh, idea. And, yes, we are, after all, talking about real life, right? Yeah. As John told during uh, my introduction, I run 
a couple of conferences. And I'm responsible for websites of these conferences. And let's take as an example uh, one conference, which is called Mobile Era. I run it in Oslo this year for the third time. By the way, shameless promo. This will happen in Oslo, November 1st and 2nd. Come to lovely Norway. And the website, uh, you can uh, go and open this called mobileera.rocks. I'm there right now, and I'll put that in the show notes for folks. This is a progressive web app with long stories, starting from nightmare to the point where we now. So approximately one year ago, a bit more than one year ago, when I created um, the website for uh, last year's edition for Mobile Air 2017, I switched to the website template called Hoverboard. And I really recommend this project, by the way, for all conference organizers. So this is kind of out of the box solution for the website of your conference. And there are dozens of really cool projects. It's hard to name this just a template. So this is more or less a working solution for your website. And I, I believe most of, for example, Google DevFest's website based on this one. But it was a nightmare because people who tried to use it couldn't do something? It Was it, was it because it was too slow? Was it because it kept crapping out because there was poor Wi-Fi at a conference? What? How was it failing? Wait a sec. It's PWA by default, just out of the box. I created a project. I customized this. I, so I cloned this uh, repo. I created my own website based on this. I deployed this and that worked fine. And I got all these nice features of Progressive Web App. But suddenly I started to receive some negative feedback from our visitors. And all these issues were from folks who use Firefox. Okay, I tried to open this uh, website in Firefox. And uh, what I see, content corruption error or corrupted content error. Okay, I was thinking maybe this is some like edge case. Uh, okay, I close this for now and maybe it was some random error. But no, I got more and more these uh, responses. Let me guess, you told them to go use IE. Uh, <laughs> no. No, okay, all right. We are the conference uh, about high tech, right? About uh, modern browsers. So I could not keep it as is. I could not say, hey, folks, uh, no, you have to use this uh, particular browser to open our website. <laughs> no, it doesn't work like this. So after all, I realized that it was exactly because this was not the regular website, but a progressive web app. So what we got after all, instead of progressive enhancement, we got regressive degradation. <laughs> this was not our plan. And by the way, word progressive in progressive app's definition, it's it's not about, uh, I don't know, uh, your app is looking forward and adopts um, all the latest and graces. Yes, it is. But the main meaning of progressive uh, as a word in this acronym is about progressive enhancement idea of every feature of PWA you add. So the main goal is not to ruin your main app by adding some cool features, right? Nobody wants that. So in this case, you had an app that wasn't working. It was PWA already, but it wasn't working in Firefox? Exactly. I got fully broken app in Firefox. So what's happened? After I dig deeper, I realized that it was because of Firefox 
in that case follows specification of fetch API more strictly. This is why service uh, worker couldn't process some uh, requests and after all, that failed. And it was completely according to the specification. And Chrome, in that sense, uh, was a bit behind, luckily. Uh, so uh, everything was uh, working there. Maybe a couple of months later, this version would stop working in, in Chrome as well. So how did you solve this? I up- upgraded version of SW Precache library, w- which was included there. There was a long, long thread in issue tracker of uh, this um, website uh, engine. And um, after all, on um, Polymer library, because this website is based on, on Polymer and after all, an SW Precache, uh, it took some time to figure out uh, that, uh, okay, uh, Firefox follows this uh, standard really strictly. It was about redirect. I, I I, I don't think that we have like enough time to, to dive r- really deep. I think the takeaway for that particular thing is a piece of advice for people, which is this thing is on the move and you got to watch whether your versions are up to date and whether all the browsers are in line. And that's good advice for people. But let me circle you back here to the problem. What made you go to PWA and how did you make it happen? And was it easy? And how can we do the same? Uh, the main goal uh, of having this particular website as a progressive web app was to delight our visitors by offline experience. So this is a conference about mobile apps development. And obviously, uh, many folks would like to open this website on their mobile devices. And uh, they are not always uh, connected to the network, right? Or it's terrible. I mean, we've all been to conferences and the Wi-Fi is just jammed because everybody is downloading a gigabit of the latest release of something else and the Wi-Fi goes to hell. And that's almost worse. You know, you're sitting there and you're like, I think I got it. I think I got it. And it's just not coming. And so I I can feel that one personally. Exactly. And I see it in my clients. They take my application. It's great. And then they go off into some place where some part of town or some wherever they live and things are coming and going and they blame me. Rightfully so, Ward. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) It's my my fault. You know, I mean, it's my fault their internet isn't any good. No, you know, they can't tell the difference. I can't tell. I think the app sucks. And so PWA sounds like it could ride to the rescue. And it sounds like you have that kind of case at a conference where you're almost guaranteed that the Wi-Fi is going to go bad. It would make your conference app look terrible. Yeah, offline support, this is really important. And also um, having progressive about can simplify the life of conference organizers in that case or stakeholders in general, because in some cases you don't have to create your native apps if you would like to delight your users, your customers by some mobile apps experience. Bingo, you sold me right there, Max, because I've been on many apps where I've been told by stakeholders, we want this to work on this version of Android, that version of Android, this other operating system, iOS, and they want all these different things, but they don't also don't want to use one of these tools that generates native code for all the platforms. They want it to be perfect. And most of the time I find that they're not asking for anything that you can't do through a web app, but the big key was always offline. And if we could just build a web app that was offline, 
Yeah. And I'll tell you something else that's just like that. It drives me crazy, especially with a conference app. You know, most of the data they want to show me doesn't change. No, it doesn't. Right? But they keep downloading it every time. And this is true of a native app or the, you know, the browser conference apps. Every time you'd fire it up, they'd say, well, wait a second. I got to, oh, you know, this has not changed. It's not going to change. Maybe you'll, you'll get an update that says something, uh, you know, a session moved from one room to another. And if so, then tell me that, but at least let me use the darn app to find the stuff that hasn't changed and most of them hadn't and this sounds to me like a golden pwa opportunity do you agree absolutely by the way we didn't put enough attention to another really great part of progressive web apps it's cross-platform nature web platform is is really great and let's forget about web platform as something that we run in uh, our browser exclusively at, uh, about something that we run only when we connected to the internet. No, let's think about web platform as a, about great platform where we create and run our applications. And absolutely most of the challenges, uh, advantages, uh, benefits, uh, native apps have could be easily achieved by using just old gold uh, JavaScript and the possibilities of the modern browsers. I think that's true to the most part. And I'm with you. You know, I'm a big fan of PWAs, but let me throw some dirt on that fire for a minute for you. <laughs> so what I've heard sometimes from people is, oh, you can't do that. You can't do with the web what you can do with native. What if I want offline support? You, know, you just answered that. What if I want to you know, make sure that this application runs when you know there's low uh, Wi-Fi? What if I want to have an icon on the home screen? What if I want to do push notifications in my application? You know, we could go on and on. Tell me, Max, when people kind of go through those lists, where do you draw the line of when do you decide not to do a PWA, for example, and go native instead versus when do you say, okay, we can still do PWA? Okay, so let's again return to mobile platforms um, we have, right? Because in ideal world, I'd say always go for PWA because all the features of native apps supported on all the platforms. Maybe in the future we got to that point, but not today, unfortunately. So I'd recommend to really go feature by feature. So from a stakeholder's perspective, right? Because after all, they decide which way to go to create two native apps plus web service or to create one single PWA. So let's just like balance possible, say, advantages and disadvantages of progressive app. Offline support. Good for uh, both mobile platforms, good for um, desktop platforms. So we are here to some extent, right? So it's perfectly fine, for example, on um, Android and it's okay on iOS at the moment. Next, having app as an app in form of some icon. We can do an app, we can do offline. Yes, it's again good on all major platforms. But what about like animations? Like if we want to do really involved gestures, animations, and smooth scrolling, things like that. Uh, that's not related specifically to PWA, right? So it's more related to possibilities of web in uh, general. I can say that luckily browsers and JavaScript engines, they become only faster and faster. Yeah. Maybe we are not at the point where we can 
get say native performance right but on the other hand we have another cool new feature of the web is web assembly where we can run like C++ code uh, inside our browser. And um, maybe this could be a lifesaver for the situations where we need some really, really specific functionality. That's a great point, Max. Hold that thought or take a moment for an important message. Are you building a web application? Need to deliver it soon and don't have the people to do it? Maybe you're not sure your company has the skill set or experience to do it. And maybe we can help. I'm your host, Ward Bell, and my day job is building applications for companies like yours. I don't do it alone. I'm president of IdeaBlade, a consultancy that specializes in enterprise web application development. We're particularly strong in Angular, RxJS, NGRx Redux on the front end, and .NET Microsoft technologies on the server. We're a small, tight-knit group of people handpicked by me for their expertise, experience, integrity, and team spirit. Maybe we can help you with architectural guidance and hands-on development. And if there's something we don't know, and in our field, really, there's too much to know, we can draw on our personal connections in the Microsoft RD, MVP, and Google GDE networks, as well as our international circle of really great developers, people we know and trust personally. If you got a project that's keeping you up at night, shoot us an email at info at ideablade.com. That's info at ideablade.com. And now back to the show. And we're back, and you're listening to Real Talk JavaScript, and our guest today is Max. And we're discussing PWAs. Hey, Max, we were talking a lot about uh, the features and the things that we've built, and you were just talking for a moment about how uh, animations and smooth scrolling work as well. But there's a real big topic we haven't hit, and I'm curious of what you think and your experience with it, and that's security. Are PWA apps secure? Are these things that a company who is security conscious, which we all should be, what do they have to think about? And is this something that they should look at? Yeah, this is a really, really good point and a really important thing to discuss in the context of PWA and maybe modern web in, in general. First, service workers as a part of PWA kind of force us to use HTTPS. And I hope that most of the websites of, of web services we actively use today, they are on a secure HTTP protocol. Yeah, that's a great standard to get to, right? But uh, we're not all there yet. I think what you're saying is that to be a PWA, you must be HTTPS. Is that right? Yes. Okay. It's a must-have. You you will not start service worker at all on on HTTP. And it's a really good point because service worker is actually it's man in the middle in this kind of attack. So since it can intercept everything and it can give its own uh, responses to everything, that's really important to keep it only in a secure context. What else I could recommend to developers um, when uh, we are trying to cache something? Think twice about what exactly do you cache? Here I mean this specific cache API, which is um, used by service workers to actually store these uh, resources or assets, because 
at the moment, this storage in your browser is absolutely open. So Right, so somebody gets a hold of your device and you're storing credit card information there. That's a big no-no. Absolutely. No way to store sensitive information there. Yeah, even, even addresses and other private and personal information from people. I, I think, you know, there's great guidelines on the web for what you should or shouldn't store. That, that's a great point, Max. It, it, it is, although I got to tell you, I'm feeling, you know, I'm scratching my head here. I, I know we shouldn't do it and I work, I guard against keeping sensitive information in there, but, but you know what the chances are of somebody taking my device and rooting around in it? You know, most of the attacks that we see in this world are people going to the server and stealing stuff out of there. If you got my device, then how the heck did you get it? I get it that we're all stressing about this, but I, uh, well, I'll throw some water on you there because some of the biggest attacks I've been involved with that I can't speak about specifically, were from inside companies. Right, but they hit the server, right? Nope. No? They don't. They have ways of getting to your local host machines and looking inside your machines. And plus, people don't lock their machines. So that's the other way you can get to somebody's machine. Okay. I guess if you can reach into my machine and look at what I've got, and I suppose a PWA, again, if you've got bad code in your PWA that is busily taking everything that they send and sending it to someplace else, but that would be true of a regular app, right? Yep. It's true anywhere. You don't want to, in any client app, just like JavaScript in any day, right, Max? You don't want to stick anything in your client app that somebody shouldn't see, right? Yeah, exactly. And the service worker gives very, very convenient way um, to cache something. And uh, on the other hand, browsers give really convenient way to check what's cached. So literally in your, for example, Chrome, you open DevTools, application tab, storage, and bam, it's all there. Uh, what every service worker of every site cached, and uh, you can check all this JSONs, HTMLs, uh, whatever. So I'd say that it's way easier, for example, than to check what's in HTTP cache and uh, maybe Maybe it's uh, even more uh, reliable in terms of this information is persistent to some extent. So, Max, I'd like to chime in for a sec on uh, something that I built three or four years ago. And I did not use a PWA, but as you're talking, it feels like this would have been a great choice. And this application was a mobile app. We ended up doing something with uh, another platform. It just wasn't PWA. And we used Ionic to get there. Mm -hmm. And it worked on multiple devices, but the real thing that was difficult was it had to work inside of our offices, out literally outside, inside of places that were surrounded by concrete that were nowhere near our offices, on moving transportation around the city. So we never knew what kind of Wi-Fi or even if it was just going to be 3G or who knows what it was going to be. And that was our biggest hang-up. And that was a nightmare even on a native device to deal with. And it sounds like PWA would have just been tons better, especially since we were already doing things like Ionic. Am I thinking right or no? Well, I, I'd say that web gives you now the tools that were available only for native apps. Of course, uh, PWA is not a magic. It, it doesn't have any special channel connected to the internet, right? Which is always reliable and fast and stable. No, it's all the question about uh, what can you 
pre-cache. And what can you do in case of there is no network? There are many options, right? So uh, first, of course, you, you can try to show what you pre-cached, or you can at least show some information about there is no network. And even this will work way better than showing uh, this offline dinosaur. So uh, basically, it's the same patterns as we have in native apps. So there is there is no magic, but uh, there are possibilities. So you're saying that today, if we wrote that app from scratch, that kind of an app that while native is always a consideration, that a PWA is just as good of an option, right? No. No? I don't want to say like this. I, I say that now there is no need to create a native app if you just want to have running something offline. Uh, so if you want to at least show something to your user, right? Just imagine, let's take a r- real use case. Facebook app, native one, right? And you are offline. You open this app, what you see? Most likely you will see some... Um, Newsfeed, which was there before, right? For example, from that morning. At the same time, you can uh, type a message and you can hit uh, post and you got a response that this information will be posted later when you back to online. So I believe um, this is the best possible scenario for offline mode. Okay. For the web, now you can do the same. And uh, it was absolutely not uh, possible before progressive web apps. Now we are at the same point. But again, it's up to us, up to developers. Do we have enough um, time, resources, uh, knowledge, skills to implement this? But at least now it's technically possible. So what I'm getting out of this uh, show today, and we're, we're right near the end here, is that PWAs, well, they've come a long, long way. We can do a ton with it it's still worth considering whether you should choose PWA or native based upon your needs. Uh, I'd like to kind of lead everybody to a link that I like to go to. There's a PWA checklist that uh, the Google site exposes. And this is a nice checklist of a lot of things that Max has talked about today, about what you can look for and what they offer and kind of how you know if you have one. And Max, there's a tool that Everybody uses for PWAs, uh, Lighthouse. Is that still your preferred tool? Yeah, this is uh, really great to check some important points about your app. Initially, it was uh, introduced as a standalone tool. Now it's part of DevTools in um, Chrome browser, and it gives you kind of score. But I would say, dear developers, let's not uh, put so much attention at this score itself, like I've... It, right. It's just a the, rating. The, yeah. The yeah. highest grade is, uh, is 100, right? And you can work any system with any test anywhere. So getting 100% lighthouse doesn't mean that you win. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So let's focus on a great uh, user experience, but not, not on the, on the score. Yeah. Another tool I can mention is uh, the one from uh, Microsoft. It's called WebHint. And uh, it was renamed recently from uh, SonarWall. So maybe you know this. Yep, this is WebHint.io. Yes, now it's called WebHint and it has maybe a bit wider scope. And PWA is uh, just one of the sets of uh, criteria of, say, greatness of your web app. Really, of websites, like there's two ways you can use this when I'm on the page now. You can use it with a CLI or you can just 
with their online tool. You can type in a URL to look at it. Yeah, yeah, and th- this is really great point for us developers that, uh, of course, you know, um, it's fun to open this tool in, the, in, in your web browser and uh, to type in your URL in this um, nice search bar. But for development, of course, we need tools. And both projects, both Lighthouse and WebHint, they give us the possibility to have it injected into our CI process as a CLI tool. That's a great tip, man. Absolutely. Max, we like to end our show by... Giving a call out to the community. This is our section we call Someone to Follow. There's a lot of great people who've inspired us and maybe don't always get all the recognition, or maybe they just need a little bit more, like Ward. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we like to call somebody out at the end of our show that kind of say something that they maybe have done and other people should take a look at as well. Ward, why don't we start with you this week? Okay, well, there's a person who writes prolifically, that is to say a lot, that people know, but maybe you don't know, and that's Nicholas Zakas, Z-A-K-A-S. And he writes about JavaScript and very clearly covers one, you know, usually they're a short article on some feature uh, either coming or existing. And whenever he's writing, I really trust what he has to say. So I'll put Zaka's link in the show notes. And he also has a JavaScript book that he keeps updating and it seems to cover, I haven't looked at it in a long time, seems to cover uh, offline uh, scenarios. So uh, that may be germane to what we talked about today. But anyway, look him up, Nicholas Zakas. Fantastic. And my someone to follow today is somebody I highly respect. She does a ton of work in the serverless function arena and has done Angular and React and it's just a, a wonderful person and speaker. And if you haven't checked out her content, she's just really brilliant, uh, especially about serverless. Uh, her name's Simona Coton, and you can find her link here. And she's got a ton of material, both online and with the videos. So check out Simona as well. I'm a big Simona fan. Max, do you have somebody for our, someone to follow? Absolutely. So first, I uh, I want to second. Yes, please uh, follow Simona. Uh, she posts really great content. Now, from me, I want to focus on PWA here. First person is Artur Stolar. He's uh, working at the moment uh, for um, the largest uh, social network uh, in uh, Russia, and uh, he's working exactly on moving that web project to PWA. He is posting on Twitter really deep and uh, really uh, useful information about all the specific details of how service workers and the progressive web uh, apps work. Okay. And you can put his link right in the show notes here and we'll include that. Yes. Max, it was great having you on the show this week. Uh, thanks for joining us, learning more about PWAs all the time. Ward, are you going to go build one? Well, actually, I really need one for the reasons we described. So... Uh, and we've done it. So maybe I'll have a chance to talk about my experiences on that sometime. Yeah, I'd love to hear about what you tackle with that. I've done a couple of PWAs, but not nearly the amount Max has done. And Max, you've been awesome for us once again. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me here, folks. It was great, great pleasure to uh, to chat with you and to give some information about PWA. And thank you all for listening to Real Talk JavaScript. And you can follow us every Tuesday right here or Sign us on Twitter at RealTalkJS. Thanks for listening to Real Talk JavaScript. This show and all of our shows are available at www.realtalkjs.com with links and notes. John and Ward would love to hear what you think. 
especially about potential guests and topics for future shows. Follow and send them a message on Twitter at RealtalkJS. Real Talk JS.